Hi, my name is Brian. Welcome to episode 11 in the podcast, Homo Deus, Humanity's Evolution from Social Institutions to World Peace. In the previous episode, we completed our review of Harari's book, but there is still a little bit more to talk about. Throughout this podcast, I have referred to retraining our desires and learning new methods of cooperating, but I haven't discussed many details. In this episode, we will consider what this retraining might look like. Yes, we are finally here. The last episode. I'm not going to spend a lot of time summarizing the podcast... The title pretty much says it all. From social institutions to world peace. For the past 70,000 years, since we left the animal kingdom, Homo sapiens have cooperated on the basis of social institutions. These institutions establish the rules for how we relate to each other and manage our competitive and violent urges. We've had a good run, but ultimately, Social institutions are an unstable and unsustainable method for cooperation. The good news is evolution is at work. A new version of ourselves that cooperates selflessly and is in sync with our earthly ecosystems is emerging. This new version will be a genuinely new species. Homo Deus would be a good name for them. Although the final transition from Homo sapien to Homo Deus will likely be very violent and chaotic, once we get there, human versus human violence will be eliminated. We will have achieved world peace. The new improved version of ourselves will emerge as we dedicate ourselves to practicing new methods of cooperating and retraining our desires. What will this retraining look like? Before I answer this question, I should clarify that I am not an anarchist. I have a lot of respect for Homo sapiens and their social institutions. I am a Homo sapien, and I tip my hat to our many accomplishments. I'm a strong supporter of our social institutions. I want good government, effective policing, and a robust social safety net. Much of my daily life is spent working to keep these institutions strong. We need them. We aren't ready to take the training wheels off the bicycle yet. We could crash and burn. Instead, my focus is on getting ready so that when the training wheels do come off, we are able to ride the bicycle because the training wheels are coming off. In 2014, I traveled across Greece, listening to Yale professor Donald Kagan's course, Introduction to Ancient Greek History. It was riveting. He instilled in me a great respect for classical Athens and its golden age of civilization. The cultural achievements were remarkable, But it lasted less than a hundred years. It was over so quickly. 
They blew it all because they didn't have a good handle on their violent tendencies. In his course, Kagan celebrated the heights that the Greeks achieved and mourned their tragic, untimely demise. We are like the Greeks. We have had a 70,000-year golden age, with the civilization part really intensifying in recent years. But we, like the Greeks, do not have control of our violent tendencies. Therefore, our civilization will also be going away. It is appropriate to celebrate our achievements and mourn their loss. But for those of you who believe humanity has the potential to become something more, our focus needs to be on reaching our potential and becoming the new Homo Deus. To get there, we need to retrain our desires and learn new methods of cooperating. In the meantime, we need our social institutions. We should work to keep them strong and hold them to a high standard of justice so that they give us as much space and time as possible to go through the door of evolutionary innovation and become Homo Deus. So let me start the conversation on what this retraining might look like. Training to become Homo Deus involves a personal commitment and personal disciplines. You need to make the decision to start this journey yourself. But ultimately, in order to practice the new way of cooperating, you need to do it with others. It needs to be done in community. Therefore, you will either need to join an existing group who is already trying to do this, or you will need to start your own. Each existing group who is trying to do this will be unique. However, I would categorize them into two broad categories religious groups, and social justice groups. Yes, you could start your training in the new ways of cooperating at a church, mosque, or a synagogue. If you investigate these places, you will find that some of them are really doing this. In this podcast, we talked about Sagio Mani, Martin Luther King Jr., and Mother Teresa. They worked on relating to others in this new way, and they did it primarily through their faith communities. They may not have been homo deus yet, but they were working on moving in that direction. The advantage traditional religions have is the many rituals and disciplines that are designed to help with this sort of training. Again, as a reminder, I am not talking about training by withdrawing from the world. The examples given were all active in trying to address the problems of this world and make it a better place. Immersing yourself in training with groups like this may be a good way for you to train to become Homo Deus. Of course, if you join any of these groups, you will find many problems. The adherents often hold sectarian beliefs. Instead of believing that the training will make them good, they tend to believe that just by being part of the group, they have become good. That is, they've established a tribal alliance. 
Unfortunately, traditional religions often have hundreds of years of self-justifying theology. That is a lot of baggage to carry. And there are many examples of religious groups which have become places that ferment hatred. This shouldn't be surprising if you understand who we are as homo sapiens. Training to become homo deus is difficult. Homo sapiens are always looking for a shortcut, always looking for someone to blame. In this regard, religious people are no different than non-religious people. The only point I am making here is that some religious groups are practicing this new way of relating, and joining one of them may be a viable option for you. The other type of group you could join are social justice groups. These groups are often newly established, and therefore they don't carry much historical baggage. This gives them a lot of freedom to call out injustice, challenge the status quo, and be at the forefront of societal change. Immersing yourself in their causes may be a good way for you to train to become homodeus. Of course, these groups also have problems. They may lack awareness of their role in the problems of this world. Believing the problems with society are entirely caused by other people, they may see little need to implement any sort of training program for their members. Instead of being down the path of becoming non-violent homo deus, you might find these groups are following the very traditional homo sapien path of blaming others for the problems, and thereby establishing a tribal alliance. Again, this shouldn't surprise us. This is what homo sapiens are like. We blame others for the problems and establish tribal alliances. This is how we compete for advantage. It is a good thing to call it injustice. Even getting upset about injustice can be good. But what really matters is what you do next. Do you use it as a premise for self-righteousness? Or do you use it as motivation to reach across the barriers that divide us and work to undo the hostilities? Again, the main point I am making here is that some social justice groups are practicing the new way of relating, and joining one of them may be a viable option for you. The other option is to start your own group. This won't be easy either, and given that your group will be composed of homo sapiens, you will face the same challenges as existing groups. So let's list out a few of the challenges. Firstly, the training will be difficult. Almost everything about us as homo sapiens is focused around competition. The movies we watch where the bad guy gets it in the end, or the sports we watch or play where we are motivated by beating others. Our relationships, which are characterized by getting ahead and alliances. I could go on about our jobs, our politics, our hobbies, our family life, etc. But it is probably best just to leave it at that for now. 
The important thing to note is that if you are an average homo sapien, like I am, you need to change so deeply, it is difficult to even imagine the scope of the change. To accomplish this, we need to dedicate ourselves to lifelong training. What homo sapiens usually do is establish standards of righteousness that they can mostly meet. Then everyone who is not meeting the standard is deemed a bad person, and the ones who do meet the standard are the good people. It follows then that the good people have the right to punish the bad people. After all, they have brought it on themselves by their bad behavior, right? What we need to realize is that these standards of goodness are mostly bogus. They are in part a premise for some people to gain advantage over others. It is better to admit that the true standard of righteousness that we need in order to have world peace is way beyond all of us. Then commit to lifelong training so that we get closer to it every day because we believe it is worthwhile. Hopefully then we can give ourselves a break and not be so judgmental on both ourselves or others for falling short, because we all fall short. Another challenge is that the group you decide to train with will not fully live up to the ideals they are striving towards. They won't even fully agree on what the ideals are. There will be people you don't like, there will be disagreements over things that seem trivial, it will be messy, and it just won't feel good on many days. These difficulties are important, though. In order to really be a community that trains in a new way of cooperating and breaks down barriers, we need to face these differences and conflicts head-on and learn to love each other more through the process. These difficulties are often a great opportunity to work at becoming Homo Deus. Attracting different kinds of people to your group may be a challenge. In order to truly break down the walls that separate us, the group needs to be open and inclusive. If it is just you and your best friends, it can't accomplish the goal of breaking down the barriers that separate us. No, as much as possible, the group needs to reflect the broad spectrum of society. You will want to have Democrats and Republicans, Christians and Muslims, religious and atheists, black and white, rich and poor, male and female, old and young. Also, it will often feel very ordinary. You will be there to bring in world peace and evolve into a new species. But the people next to you will be ordinary with ordinary problems, having trouble paying the bills or challenges with their kids or parents or with their job. To hold a meeting, you will have to organize, maybe make phone calls or send out emails ahead of time. At the meeting, you will need to do the kinds of things people have always done when they get together in groups. Have some teaching, perform rituals, sing songs, make announcements, etc. You may want to have a meal together 
as that has always been a good way for human groups to express their common community. Although this won't always feel exciting, it is in this ordinariness that the magic happens. The earth and the ordinariness around us are good. They are something to be embraced. Unfortunately, we often miss this goodness in our struggle to get ahead and to self-justify. Sometimes you will wonder if you are making this out to be more than it is. After all, if all you are really doing is being nice and cooperating, haven't there always been nice people who cooperated? How is this training any different? If you are in the workforce, you will likely still go to the same job that operates in a competitive industry where people within the institution compete against each other to succeed. How do you apply what you are learning in an environment like that? On the other hand, many of your co-workers will likely be really nice people, even though they have not explicitly committed to a training program. How is what you are doing any different? And of course, you won't be perfect. In spite of your aspirations, you will still be a homo sapien. Given all the ways you personally are falling short of your ideals, it may be discouraging. Hopefully this doesn't get you too down. The awareness of your imperfections and the imperfections of the group you are training with is a natural result of the training. If, on the other hand, you reach the conclusion that you and the group you are training with are the good guys and everyone else is the problem, you can be sure something has gone wrong. Training in new ways of cooperating isn't easy, and it sounds so ordinary. It may be difficult to believe it will really amount to much. On the other hand, most of us believe practice makes perfect in every other aspect of our lives. For example, it goes without saying that if you want to be a great concert pianist or a professional basketball player, you need to practice. No matter how much talent an individual has, if they really want to be great and reach their potential, they need to put in the time. Isn't it strange that when it comes to world peace, we don't think of it that way? If we want to be great at piano, we need to practice. But if we want to be good at world peace, well, there's really nothing for us to learn, right? Because other people are the problem, right? The reality is, if we want world peace, we have to put in the time. Throughout this podcast, I have made the argument that retraining our desires and learning new methods of cooperating is necessary from the perspective of evolution, but let me illustrate how practical it is by further consideration of the problem of climate change. Climate change may lead to the deaths or displacements of millions or even billions of humans in the next 100 years, and yet we have been very slow to act. What can we do as individuals to help? When asked this question, most people come up with a list that looks something like this. You may want to hit the pause button and come up with your own list 
just to see if it is the same as the one I am going to give to you. Anyway, here is the list. Lifestyle changes, such as buying less, recycling, buying carbon-friendly products, traveling less, or eating locally. Political involvement. You could consider environmental issues when you vote, or maybe run for office yourself and promote environmental policy. Political activism. Sign petitions, participate in marches, or other events that raise awareness and call for action. Read and promote good scientific research. Or give money to organizations that are doing research or politically mobilizing, etc. And that's usually where the list ends. These are all great things, and if you are doing them, I want to thank you. However, the problem is, the list is missing anything that increases the sense of neighborly goodwill that would motivate people to make changes. I greatly appreciate the work scientists have done to help with climate change, but I think it is unlikely that another research paper or declaration are really going to be what it takes to motivate the necessary action. To address climate change, people need to experience a change of heart. There needs to be a spirit of generosity whereby people are willing to put aside their private goals for the common good. Where is this goodwill going to come from? Are we just crossing our fingers and hoping it somehow miraculously arrives? Are we just going to hope that at the very last moment people will do the right thing to avert a total climate disaster? This is not a good approach. We need a plan or a strategy for how goodwill can be nurtured. If we want to solve climate change, we need to do all the things mentioned earlier, but we also need to pay serious attention to generating goodwill. Certainly, good government policies can help facilitate goodwill creation. But the problem is, governments can only pass policies that their subjects want. If governments don't, they will soon find that they are out of office, one way or another. We shouldn't pin our hopes on the government solving it. Their hands are tied. Somehow, goodwill needs to come from the ground up. The only way this can happen with long-term sustainable success is through open and inclusive groups that meet for the purpose of practicing better cooperation. By meeting together and sharing lives with each other, tribal alliances can be broken down, and these local gatherings act like manufacturing centers for mutual understanding and goodness. Yes, manufacturing goodwill is the missing ingredient we need to address climate change. It is the elephant in the room. Today, when we think of how to effect societal change, we tend to focus on activism alone. Certainly, activism has been successful in the past. I am thankful to everyone who is working for positive change in this way. However, activism needs to be grounded in practicing better cooperation. Without this grounding, 
activism is limited in what it can accomplish. Here are some of the limitations I see. Telling people what they should do or shaming them only works if there is a baseline of goodwill established. Once this baseline is exceeded, these approaches tend to have the opposite effect. They cause people to dig in their heels. Activists can become frustrated and radicalized when no progress is being made on the issues they are advocating for. Activists are then tempted to give up or become violent. This is counterproductive to making the world a better place. Also, there are many issues we need to address. Climate change is very important, but what about racial justice, gender issues, economic inequality or poverty, or war? Activism on one issue draws attention away from other issues. If we solve climate change with all of these other issues getting worse, have we really accomplished anything? Is it even possible to solve climate change when issues of injustice are unaddressed? I think the answer is no. Climate change is just too fundamental a problem. We cannot solve it without significant changes to our society and extraordinary cooperation. We need to be building a society that works for everyone in order for people to buy in and see the common good also as their personal good. As discussed, I think the cornerstone to building this kind of world is open, inclusive communities that regularly meet to practice better cooperation. Practicing grows the base of goodwill such that the calls to address injustice can be heard. In this way, progress can be made on all the issues at the same time. These practicing communities may not look like much, but they do make progress, and in some cases for brief periods of time, they genuinely reach a point where members cooperate based on inspiration to service and mutual benefit, instead of the rules defined by social institutions. This is the second cognitive revolution. It is already here, happening all around us. It hasn't reached a critical mass yet, but it is building momentum. Yes, Homo sapiens are evolving from reliance on social institutions to a more advanced, sustainable method of cooperation. I can't offer definitive proof that this is going to happen. We don't know of any other species like ourselves who rely on social institutions, so definitive proof is not available. But I can offer evidence evidence that Homo sapiens cannot continue on as we know them, both in terms of problems like climate change and in terms of the sustainability of their methods of cooperating. The fact that our last stage in evolution, the cognitive revolution 70,000 years ago, was a change in our method of cooperating. Yes, there were some changes in our brain and our DNA, but the thing that changed in the real world 
was the way we cooperate as a species. Given that evolution has gone down this path before, the most recent time we evolved, it is reasonable that something similar could happen again. The examples of people embracing the new way of relating are all around us. Famous examples include Sadio Mani, Mahatma Gandhi, Greta Thunberg, and Martin Luther King Jr. But there are probably people just down the street from you who are doing this. Again, these examples do not amount to definitive proof, but they do contribute to the body of evidence, as they are difficult to explain away in the homo sapien terms of tribal alliances. And lastly, an honest assessment of our key problems like climate change leads to the conclusion that we will not be able to solve them unless we give serious attention to manufacturing goodwill and improving our methods of cooperating. Small improvements are a start, but significant improvements will ultimately follow. The end result of these improvements will be the new Homo Deus. It is by participation in these practicing communities that we will be able to go through the door of evolutionary innovation and become Homo Deus. I hope you will join. Before I end this podcast, I thought I should provide some personal remarks. Did this podcast accomplish what I intended? Where will I go from here? My subjective assessment is that I have accomplished this goal, at least in small ways. In the trailer to this podcast, I talked about my excitement with the material and wanting to have more conversations. I have had some conversations, and I still feel excited about the material. I feel like I am saying something important that makes a positive contribution to our collective conversation. When I started, I only had a vague idea of what I wanted to do. In the process of making this podcast and figuring it out, I read Eric Newsom's book, Make Noise. In it, he talked about writing out the title to your podcast in 10 words and then ensuring absolutely everything you put into the podcast is on theme. Eventually, my title became Homo Deus, Humanity's Evolution from Social Institutions to World Peace. Hopefully, you will agree that I have relentlessly stuck to this theme throughout this podcast. In terms of next steps for me, the main thing is putting this into practice in my own life. Humanity's evolution from social institutions to world peace isn't something that I can control or own or become the leader of. It isn't something any of us can make happen, nor can we stop it from happening. It isn't really something we are doing. It is more accurate to say that evolution is doing it, or Mother Nature is doing it, or God is doing it. Certainly we humans can choose to participate in it, but it is bigger than us. The point is, the same evolutionary creative force that brought us here in the first place is still at work. This same force that brought us all the other plants and animals 
is now bringing us to the next stage in our evolution and back into synchronization with our environment. We can deny it, ignore it, and fight against it, or we can trust it, align ourselves with it, talk about it, and experience the joy of participating in it. These latter things are the ones that I want to do. I am a homo sapien through and through. My desires are selfish, and my approach to cooperation is deeply rooted in competition and tribal alliances. But I can slowly start to undo this by participating in a peace-practicing community. By faithful practice, I can be a small part of what evolution is doing. Thank you for listening. As I noted in the trailer episode at the very beginning of the podcast, I hope you found it worthwhile, even if you disagree with me. Hopefully you were challenged and maybe even inspired to consider new possibilities. I would love to hear your thoughts. Please send me an email at brianpracticingforpeace, that is all one word, all small letters, at zohomail.com. I have left the email address in the show notes. Thanks for sticking with me. As we depart, one thing is for sure. You will need to cooperate with other humans in order to carry on your life. I wish you all the best in your cooperating. May you have many opportunities for win-win-win cooperating. That is, cooperation that works for you and the people you are collaborating with, but also benefits the entire wider Homo sapien community. May you be blessed in your cooperating. <music>